Maybe somebody around you needs to hear this, so turn to your neighbor and just tell them the best is yet to come. Because, listen, that is what is promised to us in the gospel. And so when we remember what Jesus has done for us, and we embrace that and understand that fully, that is the reality of what we're chasing after, and uh, all of it's a work of God, right? And all of it's empowered by His Spirit. Um, we're desperate for Him to move in our church, and... Um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through and unpack uh, part two of uh, the future vision um, for our church this morning, uh, bring some more clarity uh, to where we're headed as a church. But um, like I said last week, if you weren't here last week, you're going to need to uh, go on our, our website and check that uh, message out. It's going to help uh, give you some of the context for kind of this is part two of uh, that uh, beginning uh, last week. And last week, what we talked about is we said any vision in the local church, any goal that the local church is chasing after must be in line with God's word, must be in line with God's word. So many different forms that can play out in churches that churches need to prioritize who they're called to be, but it's got to be in line with God's word. It must be a vision that springs from a desire to align the followers of Christ with the way of Christ. And, and that purpose is, can, needs to be declared in a church, and it needs to be the thing that we unify around, and it aligns people with the fulfillment of God's mission. But before I roll uh, the, sort of the second piece of that in sort of vision form to you, I want to take us back to 2 Corinthians 5, and I want us to see how that passage that we started last week finishes, because it frames up um, the, the, the picture of what the church is called to be and what it's called to produce. And this, this vision that Paul lays out to the church in Corinth is one of many that informs and inspires our vision. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. Follow along with me. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses. That's what we just remembered and reflected on. Not counting their trespasses against them, but it goes further than that, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Because of that, or therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Such a beautiful passage and an invitation and a calling a vision-clarifying passage because this was spoken to the church in Corinth. 
And what we see from this when we apply it to the reality of our calling and our lives and our vision is this. Every church is called to make disciples who live as ambassadors. Ambassadors. Ambassador is, is one word of many that you see within the context of, of God's word that, that points to the truth that what God wants is he wants to be made famous through his people. He wants to be made famous through the lives of his people. There are hundreds of passages I could use to establish this idea. Really, the whole Bible that you hold in front of you in whatever form you do is, is intended and sent by God and breathed out by God to, to bring about these purposes and this end. So let's examine what it means to be an ambassador for Christ, and then we're going to see how that is, how we're going to try to purposefully in our church move towards that and, and, and drive towards that end with more clarity than ever. Four aspects of being an ambassador. First one, ambassadors live by faith in Christ. Ambassadors live by faith in Christ. When you live by faith in Christ, your heart is being transformed. It is a work of God, not just uh, something that I believe in and follow in one area of my life. It impacts your identity, your very, uh, every part of your life. Verse 16 directs you, we should be looking at one another uh, beyond the physical reality of the flesh. Like, I can see people sitting in seats right now, but it's like, don't regard them just by the flesh. And the flesh also has an element to it that reflects our brokenness and our fallenness, our sin and our incompleteness. And it's saying here, it's like, let's look not just at the physical reality of the flesh, but we got to look to the spiritual reality. In the same way, the, the, the point here is, though, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Because when Christ came on the scene, people were just like, he's just a good teacher. But, and, they, and they understood his human components, but what Jesus was identifying and, and displaying and, and, and messaging in his communication was that he was way more than just a human. He was also deity, the very God. And so if you're living by faith in Christ, there has to be a component to you that's living into new creation realities. That's why in verse 17, it declares, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, one who's not just identified by the flesh, but also identified by what the Spirit is, has identified, if you're in Christ, he is a new creation. And if you're a new creation in Christ, you've got something you're announcing. It's right here in verse 17. We, we, so many know this. So many of us know this verse, and we love it because of that declaration that comes in the second sentence. The old has passed away. Behold, the new is come. That is a declaration from the person who has put their faith in Christ. To be an ambassador, we have to live by faith in Christ. Live by faith in Christ. We see similar announcements in the word of God. Chris used this passage earlier in setting up communion. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Do you see the similarities between 17 and, and this verse? Who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the, that's the consistent testimony of the person who's living by faith in Christ. That what's happening is there's this old man that's beginning to progressively pass away and being put to death and going away and in the past, and there's a newness that's coming in Christ. 
There's a declaration in that. Ambassadors live by faith in Christ. It is not always a loud volume testimony, but it is always a loud testimony. It always has a behold element to it. That's the first thing. Second, ambassadors know the message of reconciliation. Paul's always trying to unpack the message of reconciliation. If you think about the, just some of the highlights of Paul's teaching on the subject of reconciliation, you've got themes like Christ reconciling us to himself like you see in this passage. You've got Christ taking the judgment of sin that separates you from God and he died to forgive every one of those sins, anything that might keep you at distance from God. There's a sin that, that created hostility between you and God, that literally set enmity or, or of opposition between you and God. Um, through the cross, the, Paul writes in other places that Christ literally killed the hostility. Like that thing that stands between you and God because of your sin, he literally put it to death. It's fantastic truth. Through the blood of the cross, Christ made peace between you and God, where before there was only unrest and war. I mean, look what it says in the passage. It says, not counting, in verse 19, not counting their trespasses against them. And we, there, is, there is such a beautiful display of God's love in that. There is joy in that. There is peace in that. That in Christ, your trespasses are not counted against you. The reality of that vertically is what's intended to be the motivating reality that can lead, if by faith, if in light of what Christ has done, can lead then to also horizontal re reconciliation between fellow people. So here we've got a reality that there is a message of reconciliation that ambassadors know increasingly, and they're captivated by the message. Ambassadors are like, I just, I just want to know more about that message. I want to understand it more clearly. I want to, I want to apply it to my life. I, I want to learn the message. I want to study it from every angle. I want to remember the message every day. Not just so that I can know right things about God. The Church of Jesus Christ for too long has had all the right things on the wall or in their doctrinal statement, but we become ambassadors for Christ when we know it, when we live it out. And that leads to this next aspect of being an ambassador. Ambassadors for Christ experience reconciliation. Because you can't just know the message. If you want to be an ambassador that, that, that lives the way an ambassador is called to live with a level of authenticity and realness, you've got to experience reconciliation. Verse 18 is clear. It's all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. I'm not just, he's not just talking about a message. Well, here's the message of reconciliation to communicate to people. He's also saying that your experience of reconciliation is what qualifies you to be an ambassador. It authenticates it. It's the, it's the badge that gives you clearance to level five. It's, 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 the, it's the evidence that you are what you say you are and not just posing and posturing. And then in verse 21, it gives this unbelievable opportunity. The last phrase, so that in him 
we might become the righteousness of God. That is a transformative statement. <laughs> and, and listen, there is a reality that in Christ, when you put your faith in him, that you come under the righteousness of Christ. But to actually become the righteousness of Christ is progressive and over time. You have the full opportunity, and between you and God, that in a moment is, is transformed, and you are seen as Christ and favored as Christ and a son and daughter of God. But, but we live into this reality of becoming like the righteousness of God, and that is progressive and that's an experience of reconciliation over time, that there's this place where there's still so many parts of my life that God is reconciling. And in, that prog in, that, in the progress of that, God is changing and shaping me. And it's a move of the fallen self from alienation to God to reconciliation. And I could chart you so many aspects of my life that God has me on this progressive move towards the beauty of reconciliation. You can become the righteousness of God. Old fruit falling off the tree, new fruit being produced, both vertically and horizontally. It's beautiful what God does when we experience reconciliation. Ambassadors experience reconciliation. Then finally this. Ambassadors represent Christ to the world. It, it starts with faith in Christ. If you want to be an ambassador... Then it, we, there's a message for us to know, but it, it's got to be more than just knowing a message. It also has to be more than just experiencing reconciliation and my personal experience. It, all of this sort of prepares you to engage in the ministry of reconciliation. Notice it in the passage. Verse 18, the end of it says, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave it to us. And we're qualified through this ministry of reconciliation to represent Christ to the world. And if you're like me and is your walk with Christ, you've been like, seriously? Like, Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me check it. Let me check it again. It says, gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, entrusting us to, to us the message of reconciliation. Look at verse 20. Therefore, out of that truth. Listen, I wrestle with it just like you do. I'm like, God, is this your best plan? Like, just being honest. Like, there's times when I'm like, man, you could just come and just like, whoo. And there's so much in the wisdom of God that I see and understand and can observe, and there's so much of it that I still sit in wonder and awe. But I trust him. And I see the beauty of the way the message of reconciliation is represented by people's lives and the way they live it out and the way God works so powerfully in it. The declaration of 20, verse 20, is the declaration of God. We, therefore, when those things are playing out in your life, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. That is, a, that is a stewardship call. In the same way that there's every other aspect of your life that God has called you to steward, to come under his authority, that is a stewardship call. It is literally you are called to be ambassadors. God has entrusted his ambassadors with the message of reconciliation, something we must communicate. We must communicate. 
in different ways, both with the way that we love and engage the world, but also in the message that comes out of our mouths, pointing people to the truth of Jesus Christ. And when these first three aspects are a, a reality, not in perfection, but, but, but happening in your life that you can give present testimony to, faith in Christ, knowing the work and the message of reconciliation and experiencing it, then you are qualified by the word of God, by the authority of Jesus Christ to be an ambassador, as imperfect as you're still going to feel, trust me. That doesn't get better this side of heaven. It only makes you more dependent on Jesus as you see the great chasm between you and him in his holiness. You're called to be an ambassador who's promoting God's kingdom. Right now, many of you know this, that um, my two oldest kids are, um, one is a senior this year and one is a junior. And, um, and so in the midst of that, there's a lot of conversations about what's next after high school and and so part of that is, is for them is starting to consider and process through a college, which they're desiring, and um, uh, really by God's grace in some ways that I don't have time to even unpack, but God has been so good and has provided in some really supernatural ways for, um, for Ellie to go to Cedarville University in the fall, and uh, we're so excited about that, and uh, Josiah is still deciding, but... Um, when you get into this college um, uh, a search thing, a few months ago, we went on a, on a visit to Cedarville. And when you show up at a college, they, the ambassador comes to take you around, right? And, uh, and ambassadors, uh, when we were hosted by the one at Cedarville, like here's the thing you need to know about ambassadors. First off, they are always people who have attended or are attending the university. Always. Um, they have, they have some degree of, like, great zeal and faith in the university. They, they have a confidence that this university is, gonna, is doing what it, it said it would do for them and their future and their education. They always know the message of the university at, to, to great degrees and, and levels. And they've also experienced the university. Those are all aspects of a college ambassador. Also, they love to share with you the cost of the university at the very end. Okay, just a little... <laughs> Little hint for those of you parents that are coming, might want to discern that ahead of time. Um, the, their work, though, is to represent the university to the outside world and invite people to it. That's their role. And there's some very clear, obvious to the world qualifications to be an ambassador. I mean, how absurd, I was thinking this, and it made me kind of chuckle, like, like, how absurd would it be if you showed up at a university and the ambassador went to a different university? You'd be like, promoting this school, but you don't go. You don't really know anything about it. You're just here because this is like a good part-time job? Like, what's going on here? I've never seen it. Because we understand at a gut level that that is insane, and it doesn't work, and it's inconsistent. They have to demonstrate faith in the university. They have to know the university. They have to experience it. And then out of this, they work to promote it. It is the same exact reality in the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom of God is represented by ambassadors for Christ. And the appeal that God wants to make to the world is made through authentic disciples that are called to implore. Implore means to plead or beg, present a case for. And ambassadors implore because they're personally compelled by what they represent. That's why it's compelling. 
And that's why in the beautiful places I see this with college ambassadors and ambassadors for Christ, that there is a zeal and an authenticity and a natural way that they just exude the promotion of that. And the ambassadors for Christ exude that because they walk and live by faith in Christ. Because second, they know the message of reconciliation. And third, they experience reconciliation. Every church is called to produce ambassadors. Not just people who agree, not just people who gather, but ambassadors for Christ. And this is deeply impacting the future vision of our church. So let me bring some of that to you this morning to compel you to put something in front of you that I believe is worth chasing with all of our lives and energy. A greater focus than ever before. If you guys remember last week, for those of you who weren't here, let me just give you some summary of where we, what we covered last week. First, the why. The why of this is that our vision needs to focus our attention on great things, not lots of good things. We want to be a simple church, and for too long, too long, in a way that we don't want to be a part of. We want to learn and grow in this and feel the tension. We do want, not want to be a church that chases after all the things we've believed for too long a church should be, but has not produced disciples. We've danced around issues. We've, we've gone after programs that were more about a gathering or defending territory when what God wants us to do is build disciples that, that understand what it means to really walk with Jesus. We want to be wise with our energy and time, and so it's been a careful process to get here today. A lot of some soul-searching and sort of gut-wrenching evaluation and some conviction, some painful, and some really encouraging. So here we are. First, a review from last week. First, mission. What are we doing? We exist to glorify God by loving God, loving others, and making disciples of all nations. As simplicity of that is beautiful. The motives, this was all last week. Why are we doing it? Shared convictions that guide the actions and reveal the strengths of the church. You've got it right here on the handout you got this morning, so you don't have to wear out your writing hand. Um, bold preaching and passionate worship and fervent prayer, courageous evangelism, purposeful discipleship, strategic multiplication, motives. This week, let me continue with the second half, and let's look at the map and the marks. Some of this is going to be new and not a surprise to you, but I hope it will align us and give us a purpose and a sense of focus. But some of it is new and maybe a, 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 a new perspective on this, and I want to help you understand how we're going to focus on that more clearly in our church. First, in the map, the map is how are we doing it? It is the process or picture that demonstrates how our church will accomplish our mission on the broadest level. What is, you could ask the question, what is Christ Church doing and going to do moving forward to make disciples that are ambassadors? These things in the map are our first and highest priority. We are going to focus on these things until they are more developed than they have ever been in our church because at times we honestly have gotten distracted by other things. Good things sometimes. Things that God even bore some fruit, but we're like, I don't think that's the best fruit. And so here they are first, worship and services. So any of you that thought we were going to do something real crazy, this is not going to be a surprise. Services are a space to unashamedly worship God, believing he deserves our highest praise and we need his transforming truth. 
This is Sunday morning services. This is what our students do on Sunday night. This is what we're doing in, in even a greater, more intense measure through the Life Action Conference coming up in the end of April into May. It's to focus our attention on Christ and his word and to rally around his truth and to learn together. Second is to live in groups. This is, this is uh, groups are vital to our spiritual growth through regular and intentional community with God's people around God's word. This is, this is where we live out the one another's most authentically. The starting point for living in groups is our community groups. We have community groups in our, through our children's ministry, students, as a component of them meeting on Sunday night, part of that is gathering together in community groups and then adults. Listen, beyond community groups, over time, there might be things that we feel like strategically could rally people around something that they're working through in community with one another. Um, some things like marriage mentoring is a smaller group for intensive discipleship when there's something that we feel like is so critical for it to be built up in your life or repaired in your life. Or, um, or, or, or even accelerated in your life, and that smaller context raises the excellence and the purposefulness of it. But right now, we are focused so cleanly and clearly on community groups, and I'm just so thankful for that. We need growth in this ministry. Honestly, you could pray for this to care for the people who are waiting, currently waiting to get in those groups. For those of you that are in that situation, I just thank you for your patience. Third, uh, train in studies. This is a, a category we've, we felt like we've needed to organize and give clarity to. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, train yourself to godliness. Okay, so we do not want to do a bunch of classes where we have a bunch of like theological eggheads who walk around being like, I know so much about theology. <laughs> because the Bible says train yourself for godliness. Now, we believe that some of these beautiful doctrines and theology needs to be more clearly understood by our people for how it comes to play on your godliness in your life. So we value that. And so these studies are going to be primarily offered throughout the year at our church starting in the fall of 2023. And in addition, there's going to be times when our, our community groups actually have a curriculum that guides them to build up some of the foundational realities of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We just have to be more clear with that. By the fall of 2023, we're going to roll out a core list of six to seven studies. And we're, we're, not going, we're not going to chase whatever my, my like favorite topic is of the week, Okay. Um, if anybody knows anything about me, I um, love this process because of how good it's been for my soul. Um, I'll be honest, um, I, I am very much the squirrel guy. Squirrel! <laughs> and, uh, and under the great love and care and long-suffering of our elders and our staff team, uh, some of this is really helpful for me. And uh, we're going to focus on six to seven core studies that we believe every disciple of Christ should work through over time. Topics that are essential to, to faithfully and consistently living out the mission, a critical parts. We believe this is going to be a critical part of making disciples and, and hear me, and equipping people for the work of ministry. 
our vision for this is that over a three to four year period, that every one of those classes will be offered to our church on a rotational basis so that everyone has different opportunities to engage that and grow and build a solid foundation. We have not had that at our church. We've done some good things. We've done some different things over time. But to have, be clear on that and work towards that, super important. More on this coming in the, in, in the next few months. Fourthly, this, serve on teams. Um, uh, this, is, this is all of the places where people serve on teams at Christ Church. There's hundreds of people every week serving in different areas from the things you see on around Sunday to things during the week. It's beautiful. This is where we're rallying together to accomplish the mission. Equipping the saints for the work of ministry, it's an outworking of our mission. It's where you see ambassadors on the ground right now, ambassadors right now with our kids, ambassadors welcoming you to our building, ambassadors uh, preaching the gospel to people and serving them in a variety of ways in our student ministries. We want every disciple to engage in ministry somewhere. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, you've been given a gift. And Jesus says your calling is to use it to serve one another. And that means that we're weaker if you're not serving. And we want everybody engaged in this. All of our gifts, blessing one another for the glory of God. And also, this is one of the most, I believe, God-glorifying, strongest places to find community. I see it again and again and again that when you when you go to war for the gospel, when you press into the places and the territory that the enemy has had for too long, and you go after that together and you suffer alongside one another and endure alongside one another and watch God bear fruit through your ministry, that links you with people in a way that you just can't find anywhere else. So some of the questions that come up at this point that I want to cover really quickly Some have asked, like, what about events or ministry opportunities that seem to be outside of the map? Let me encourage you with a few things. First, our primary focus, listen, I I resonate with you. Remember, I said I'm the squirrel guy. Like, there's so many things that maybe in your past experience or, or, or you just have a value for it, and it's a preference if you're really honest, like I've had to be on a number of things. And our priority right now is to, is to develop the, the, the map, the key essential things. The elders and our staff are aligned and completely focused here. And we're encouraging you. We want to recruit you to, to help us. Before I get done with this message, I'm going to present just some of the needs that exist within our, our church right now on the things that are foundational to the map that I just shared. Now, outside of that, with some of the things that people are passionate about that sometimes they bring to us, or a lot of times they bring to us, um, we're, we're, we're just, our staff and elders know we need clarity, hear me, clarity on how we lovingly and pastorally discern through the variety of ideas and ministry perspectives that people bring to our church and they want for our church and they want to champion. We're working through that. We're working towards developing a clear process by the fall. There's already really good um, elder work being done on that that I'm thankful for, but it's not completely cooked. But trust me, listen, if you want to serve with your gifts, you're going to see before we get done today how much opportunity there is for you. 
and we want you to engage the mission. The map is and always will be the primary place to engage the mission. Right now we have children's needs and student needs and adult needs that are, that are literally next generation sort of work with the gospel. We're equipping people for ministry here. So we're starting with the map and we're moving slowly and more carefully to make sure that we're making disciples. Amen, do you hear me in that? That's our heart for you, man. I, don't, I, I, can't, I can't lead this church and just continue to do things and be excited about it because people show up. I'm thankful that we see how many people are coming in all of the different ministries and to our church around the weekend, but the, the, the burning stewardship that sits at the center of my soul is making disciples, not just gathering the church. And I can't cheapen that, not for me and not for you, not for my family, not for your family, not for this generation or the next generation or Lord willing, the next generation that we can't even see that could be impacted by this. Now, one other thing just to say really quickly because people have asked, listen, we, we believe that there are community connection things that we believe have value. We, we do also wrestle with how much we've chased after some of those things and whether they've really produced disciples. So, but one of the things we love is there's places sometimes just to help people get into and orient to what we're doing beyond our, our weekend services. So starting in the fall of 2023, we're gonna try to be more clear about this. In a calendar year, we're gonna go after two men's events, two women's events, and two family events. Just to create a basis for that that people can know and hopefully engage with. We see the value there, but we're just trying to be simple and focused. This is the map. This has been one of the greatest needs for our leadership and for our church to bring clarity to avoid confusion, and we're going to continue to communicate this again and again and again. Then this last part, the marks, the marks. This has also been so needed in our church, is to answer the question, when are we successful? When are we successful? These are attributes in an individual's life that define or reflect the fulfillment of our church's mission. It's, it's, it's kind of, the best way to understand is it's kind of like our church's portrait of what a disciple looks like or evidences. If, if you're sitting here and you want to kind of understand the spirit of the marks, if you're a parent and, you're, and you love Jesus and you're wanting to raise your kids to follow Jesus, this would be the sort of marks that you would look at and go, yes, I see it. Like authentic discipleship is being seen in my child's life. And so these are the marks. Let us look at them together. Draw near to Christ is the first one. A mark of a disciple is that they're drawing near to Christ. Hebrews 4.16. It's, it's this idea, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It's the nature of us having a vibrant, growing relationship with Jesus. Intimacy with you is Christ's end game, by the way, to hear from Jesus, to speak to him, to worship him. Second is to know the work of Christ. John 8, 31 and 32, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we gotta know the work of Christ, we got to know this dramatic truth and how it plays out in our life, and then we got to become like Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all, with unveiled face, 
beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So we need, to, we need to become like Christ. We need to be putting off the old, marked by sin, and, and, and beginning to uh, put on the new, marked by redemption and the gospel. That's what we already talked about. And then live for Christ. Matthew 5.16, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This, these are the marks, and these marks are everywhere in Scripture, I mean, just, just think about what we just talked about in 2 Corinthians 5. Like, it's right there. Live by faith in Christ. Draw near to Christ. Know the message of reconciliation. Know the work of Christ. Experience reconciliation. Become like Christ. Represent Christ to the world. Live for Christ. Church, this is important because, because this is the pattern that you see all throughout Scripture. This is, the, this is the big work of redemption, and this is what you see throughout Paul's letters to the church. Some semblance of these marks now. These marks are not things that we check off. Like, I arrived. You know, no, no, no. There's a continual growing element to each one of them. Each mark is a significant action in a lifelong process of sanctification. And when you see these marks in somebody, they are the marks of a true disciple of Jesus Christ. That I am, I am, I am deeply weary of the church so often that has produced disciples who say they're disciples just because they believe they know the right things about the gospel. And, and there, there is a reality of what God wants to bring through the gospel that's so much more full than that. Marks are the essential fruits produced from the life of a healthy disciple. Now, in this message, I am only touching the surface of the marks. Um, we understand uh, as a leadership team that there is much more that needs to be cultivated in and around the marks. So I have been uh, sort of tasked with and assigned with um, a project leading into uh, the next ministry year in the fall of 2023 to identify a place and a way to teach more fully through these marks. So you've heard it from me in this message. In the next year, uh, there's going to be a series where we're going to walk through this in some form to, of some sort of length, I'm not sure. Based on recent evidence, the Sermon on the Mount, it could be a long series. And, um, but we believe that this is so important for us to understand and really excited for what that could mean for our church to accelerate these things. Finally, vision proper is where is God taking us? This is sort of after, in the frame, this is sort of like what's present right now? It's the, it's the living language that anticipates and illustrates God's better immediate future for our church. So over time, church, hear me. We're going to go, hey, we need to focus on something right now. Maybe it's a growth area or something that God wants to develop in our church. Right now, though, there's, there's nothing new we're chasing. The, the main vision proper is to continue to communicate and implement every aspect of what we're laying in front of you. Because we've too quickly gotten distracted and sometimes, honestly, we have not communicated as thoroughly as we need to on these things. And we understand that and see that more clearly now. Our vision proper is to communicate and implement the vision frame. 
to bring a unified clarity across our church of what it means to make disciples at our church. So, you might ask at this point, how do I engage in this? Let me give you a few things. First, patience. You guys, uh, this church has been so unbelievable in the way that you've shown patience in the process of God not just building individuals to look more like Christ, but in our leadership and our growing wisdom of how to lead well. Thank you for that. Thank you for your patience in that. Uh, Thank you for understanding that that we need to focus on these things and not on hundreds of other good things. Thank you for, for understanding and valuing, and some of you even for years have been like, we need to slow down, we need to slow down, we need to slow down, we do. We do. We're striving for deeper, more life-changing ministry, not lots of random church activity that doesn't serve the mission. So thank you for walking with us in that. We still need to slow down. We still need to maintain the focus on the main things until they are strong and sustainable and reproducible. Process is second. Process with us. Whenever there's a tighter focus... There are some things that we're not going to focus on anymore that some of you liked. You loved them. You even benefited from them. There's some things that we're not going to focus on right now. And there's some things we're focusing on in a different way. And I want to encourage you, for the unity of our body, um, make sure that you're hearing clearly. Make sure that when you when maybe don't understand something, clarify it with key leaders, not through gossip or rumors. Some of the things that gets back to my office about something people believe we were saying, I'm just like, just come get clarity from us. Like, we want to lean into this. We're going after the same, the same goal here of what God's called us to and processes are still being developed. And then thirdly, participate. Please participate. Like, learn to be an ambassador. Come off of the sidelines coming and just consuming from church is not God's best for you. I'm thankful for the hundreds of people that sit in amidst our services that are serving right now on teams that have been the people that have laid it out as ambassadors for Christ that are wanting to grow, that God is, is, is proven around all of us that are leading and called to the roles that we have, that we're seeing such fruit for the gospel. Amen? And I'm thankful for those of you who have stepped up but I'm asking you uh, to, to take another step and some of you maybe who, who haven't made a step to make it. Check this out. This is just within what I've presented over the last two weeks. This is the current servant leader needs from our pastors and staff. Welcome ministry, all of the beautiful ways that we welcome and love and care for people as they come to our church. 35 people, worship production, not just people who sing, Not just people who play instruments, we need that, but people in worship and production. We have have 10 people we need there. Student ministry, 14 people. Uh, Some behind the scenes serving things and others on the front lines of discipling the next generation who, by the way, they are incredibly fun. And, And their zeal for the Lord has honestly been one of the deepest encouragements to me in the last, uh, last few months. And such an opportunity there. Kids ministry, 27 people, all sorts of different ages, needs. 
so we're not overwhelmed by the number of kids, because there's a lot of kids in kids' ministry right now. Thank you for the ones that serve there. We need more. Adult discipleship, 12 new leaders, 12 new apprentices. So thankful for over 40 people who showed up at a training yesterday for community groups. We believe that God's already beginning to answer that prayer, but maybe it's something that you need to consider. So in the midst of what we've already seen God do, there still is a greater need. And I would encourage you today to step into that. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's maybe a, a, a new capacity is being felt in your personal uh, life and faith, and you're like, maybe there's more that I could step into. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's refocusing in an area that you feel like is more in line with your gifts. Maybe it's reentering. Maybe you're just taking a break for a little while, and you know that you've got to step back into it. We know that step back in could be difficult. Or maybe it's starting for the first time. I'm calling you to respond now. All you have to do, you could do this right now, I don't care. If you look distracted, I'll just be like, they're responding. You can pick out your phone, you can go to either our app, or you can go mychristchurch.org slash serve. You can check all that apply that you'd want more interest in. It's the beginning of a conversation. We don't just, because of the quality of ministry we want, and the belief that you need to be equipped, we're not just like, sign up and then you'll be serving next week. No, our leaders want to walk with you, and we want to make sure you're equipped. And even at the bottom of that, there's a place you can mark where it just says, put me in, coach. Because some of you are just like, man, I've been sitting on the sidelines for too long, and I don't even know what my giftedness is. But you know what? I know I'm supposed to be doing what God's called me to, and I want to be aligned with the mission of God. And so you can participate. And then finally this, you can pray. You can pray. We don't believe that any part of this vision will be fulfilled apart from the Spirit of God empowering it. Amen? There's no power in any person that stands in front of you. There's no power in anybody that sits in the seats or who's serving right now. It is all empowered by the Spirit of God for the glory of Jesus Christ alone. Amen? That's what we're chasing after. And so given all of this, that we want to, that we've introduced over these past few weeks, but it takes years to unpack this and live this out. Let's pray together. God, thank you. We need your power and your strength. Your, your work in aligning our church around this has been a, a miraculous, supernatural work of bringing unity. I thank you for the hours of conversation. I thank you for the conversations with people. I, I even thank you, God, for the places where uh, our, our work has been insufficient or incomplete or has, we've struggled with things. I, I thank you for the graciousness of, of, of your love for us and giving us conversations with people who have been long-suffering, who have worked this out along with us, some who have been a part of our church since we first launched. I'm thankful, God, for... The, the, the way that you, you just show mercy and grace to us. And even now, God, within the last week of revealing some things to me and to our church and our team, continue the work, God, so that we might be what you've called us to be, disciples who are making disciples with greater purpose and a greater, more deep fulfillment of the mission. God, because we, we care about this mission and we want, God, for you to continue to bear fruit through it, stronger fruit, a greater amount of fruit, God, all of it, so that we can lay it down at your feet and with great joy and peace on our faces declare that you 
are worthy of all praise. So we ask God that you would lead us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.